Photographer's Revolution podcast, and I am your host, Dana Pugh. Deb Schwedhelm today. You can find her at Deb S. Photos, and she also has a class at Illuminate Classes, um, and uh, she does incredible fine art work, but she hasn't always been a fine art photographer, so I'm excited to talk to her about her journey and uh, where she has come from and where she is now. So hello, Deb. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. excited. To talk to you because I don't I'm sure you remember this because I bring it up with you all the time but like um really that talk so a long time ago oh my gosh I don't even know how long ago but we met in person at in Vail Colorado at the NAPCP retreat and yeah. uh my favorite part of that whole retreat I think the retreat was great but honestly like the highlight for me was having dinner with you and Leah Zawatsky and my roommate, Glenda Sebrian, at the time, and uh, I remember, like, we talked for three hours, and I felt like I learned so much just talking to other photographers, seeing that other photographers had the same questions that I had, same concerns that I had, you know, that we were all sort of in this boat together. It was like a light bulb moment for me, and that's what, how come this podcast was born, really, out of this idea that I remember how much Glenda, who was very new at the time, really appreciated listening, just listening to the conversation. She didn't participate a whole lot. And I thought, you know what? I think other photographers can benefit from hearing a couple of photographers chat about life and running a business and being creative. And so that's what I'm doing here on the Photographer's Revolution podcast. So you're, it's kind yeah, of, that's, that. that's where it started. Do you remember that conversation? I do. Yeah. Yes, I totally do. And it was a great time. Yeah. It was great. So the, one of the things I remember talking to you about back then. So how long have you been shooting? I so I started photography January 1st. Maybe it was the 2nd, 2006. Did you get a camera for Christmas? No. Um, so my story is a little bit unique. I, I can guarantee you nobody has a start like I have. Yeah. So I owe the start of my photography to rats, maggots, and flies. Okay. And yeah, I told you nobody has a story like mine. Yeah. So what happened is um, we were in a military house in San Diego and Steve was, had workups or was deployed pretty much the entire year. That was a rough year. But all of a sudden there was this noise, which I thought was like just a critter outside, maybe a squirrel on my roof, whatever. Well, that ended up being rats in the inaccessible space of our attic. Oh my God. So traps put up there, everything else. Well, one day I was in the bathroom getting ready and all of a sudden we realized that there was maggots coming out of our ceiling vents. Oh. Yes. So we had buckets of water to catch the maggots and where there is maggots, there are lots of flies. So we had thousands of flies in the house. I had to close all my ceiling vents. So long story short, I ended up going to the private party venture management company that dealt with these military houses. And, um, luckily I had been emailing my friends about the whole ordeal and I asked for two and a half months of rent back because that's how long the ordeal lasted before they moved us out. And so I said to Steve, we ended up getting about, I think like $5,000. And I said to Steve, what do you think about me pursuing photography with this money? And he said, go for it. Yeah. And so somehow I had the business smarts to wait until January 1st so I could use that as a write-off. I don't even know how, like, I had the premonition that, okay, well, I'm going to buy a camera and I'm going to start a photography business because I, I knew nothing. I'm a nurse, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> I've never taken an art class in my life. Yeah. So I don't know. It just kind of unfolded for me. That's funny because... Um... I got a camera when Bob got his first really big bonus at work. And it was like right before Christmas. And we were really young. Like this was 12 years ago, like 2007. The, it was the, it was in 2006. So it was right around the same time. You know, you got like a Christmas bonus. And, 
And I, uh, I was like, Hey, let's buy a camera, you know? Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not going to buy a rebel. I'm going to buy a 30 D. And, yeah. and then like a month later, I'm like, this kit lens doesn't work. I need a 50 millimeter, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. then, and at the time I was like, but I was so grateful for, we were really young kids then, you know, felt young. I had, I had young kids you know, Georgia was just a baby and I'd been trying to shoot on manual with my little point and shoot and it was going very poorly. And, uh, I, I was, we'd never had so much money, like to have a larger bonus was just such a gift. That yeah. I was like, Hey, it would be cool if I could get this camera and maybe I could shoot some people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. And now here we are. Uh- yeah, I, I often ask myself, like, I wonder if I didn't have that chunk of money, yeah. would I have pursued photography? Because I did the same thing. Like, I, I mean, I, I bought, I think it was a Canon 20D. Yeah. I even bought the 70 to 200 lens. I mean, I went all out. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I, I could yeah. not convince I, my husband for that lens for a while. <laughs> I spent that whole 5000 bought a new computer, bought a few lenses. Yeah. But yeah, I wonder if I would have, you know, well, I have like an all or nothing kind of personality. Like, yeah. would I have like just pursued photography with a point and shoot or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think yes. Yeah. But I think it really was that, that big sum of money for us was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. You know, I'm going to give my 150% and I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. And you did. And, and when I first heard of you, like back in the days of ILP and Flickr and, uh, you know, before, uh, all of this, social media, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, although I guess Flickr was kind of social media yeah. before social media. Um, right. uh, but before, so I heard of you and you were doing like lifestyle family shoots in California, like very yeah. lifestyle-y. Yeah. And very early on, because I started teaching myself photography January, I opened Deb Schwedhelm Photography in June, which is insane. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even, I remember, you know, I made a few photographer friends and I remember going to my friend's house and learning what a mask was. I was running a business without even knowing what a mask was. And, you know, back then it was all Photoshop, you know, yeah, it was bridge and Photoshop and um, yeah, insane. I remember like, learning a layer mask too. Like, yeah. and that being like, oh my God, like just like the <laughs> greatest the thing, thing ever. ever. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is such a huge step. You don't understand. Like I was yeah. so excited. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Um, that's so crazy. Cause, and like, I remember you having sort of like colorful family photographs of, people and so, like sometimes on the beach and sometimes in their homes, you know, very lifestyle, but coming up at the same time as like Tara Whitney and all of those people. And then, um, when I met you in Vail, that was, I don't know what year that was. I want to say I had just been to Iceland. So I want to say like 2011. Yeah, it wasn't, well, I guess by 2011, I had been doing photography for a while. Yeah. And you, but you had started to make a major shift. And like, I said to you, what the heck is going on, Deb? Like your work, you know, and I, and you know, I think nowadays, kids nowadays, they get so much information that they don't appreciate. Like when there was very little information out there to have sort of your own journey, which I'm so grateful to have started photography when I did, because I couldn't navigate it now. It's like so overwhelming. I'm just, it's not I get overwhelmed, so I wouldn't manage. But uh, back then, you had to figure things out on your own. And so right. as you're figuring things out on your own, you know, you come up with, Deb comes up with, like, fine artwork all of a sudden out of nowhere. Yeah. And so, like, can you talk a little bit about how that transition happened for you? Yeah, I think one of the lucky things for me in being a military family is the fact that I had four sprints. So with every move came a break. I mean, you just had to put a pause on your photography. And then there was a lot of reflection on where am I at? Where do I want to go? I can reinvent myself to be anything because I'm starting over in a new location. And so 
in San Diego, I ended up being crazy busy. The yeah. business went really well and I was completely, completely burnt out. Yeah. I wasn't photographing my own family. I was photographing clients. I was staying up till 3 a.m. And then we moved to Kansas and it was a one-year tour. And I was like, you know what? I'm putting my bra- the brakes on everything and I'm going to refocus myself to documenting my family. Right. And in that came... Honestly, I think that was my biggest growth. It was a lot of experimenting. I was pulling out the lens baby. I was photographing with Polaroid. I started to really study light and um, slow my shutter, all of that stuff, while I was also getting back to photographing my family. So that was huge for me. And then after um, Kansas came Tampa. Right. And honestly, when I moved to Tampa, I was like, all right, I'm going to restart that Schwed Home Photography client portraiture business. And everybody's going to love me and everybody's going to want me to photograph them. And that didn't happen. Right. Because it doesn't work that way. You know, in San Diego, I organically became known and there was word of mouth and I was working my ass off. And when I went to Tampa, it's not like they're just going to find me and love me. So um, I had a pool in my backyard and I was surrounded by water. And I thought, you know what? I'd always wanted to experiment with underwater photography. And I actually had tried it once when I lived in San Diego and I enjoyed it, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. So I just started photographing in my pool. And then that's where things started. I stayed in my pool for a while. And then my friend invited us out on their boat. And that's kind of where the aha moment happened for me, where I was like, huh, this might be something special. And then the photographs just kind of kept unfolding. It was almost like they were presenting themselves to me. Right. And I just kept photographing and gathering images that spoke to me. And then I suddenly had this body of work and I decided to be brave and go to a portfolio review and somehow I ended up winning, which I mean, I was, I was just so naive to the whole fine art industry. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness. My, I had a friend, Lori Verba, who's still my friend, but she had been to a portfolio review and I could say, you know, what do I even do? What do I bring? You know, how, how, what do I need? And so she kind of guided me through the preparation process and I went into it saying, I have nothing to lose. I'm right. just going to be myself. I'm not going to pretend I know more than I know. I'm just going to share this journey, this process, what the series means to me. And then, yeah, I came home and I got the phone call and they're like, you won. I'm like, is this a joke? Am I a <laughs> happening? I mean, there was so much amazing work there. And I have to say one more thing. One of the beautiful things being getting into photography older because I was a nurse for 10 years in the Air Force. So when I went to Photonola, I think I was maybe like 43 or something like that. But the beauty of it is there is no age limit in photography. There was definitely people younger than me, but there was people that were much older than me too. And that was so inspiring. And that's what I try to tell photographers now who may have started later in in their life's journey like you're fine. Yeah. Fine. You know, you can be 80 and photographing, but yeah. you have so much time ahead of you. Like, like Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola's wife, right? She hmm. just made her first film and she's like 80 or something. It, have right. you seen that? Like it's insane. And I, it's funny because, um, I'm really in now I'm 46. So I have talked, I have a lot of friends who are sort of new in the industry and have like little kids. And it's a very different season, like in your life when you have little kids and as they grow, seasons change. And I am really starting to think like just at certain times in your life, there's time for certain things and some things just organically have to be put on hold. And sometimes they just present themselves and you have to put other things on hold and embrace what's in front of you and just embrace that you can't do it all at once. Like it takes time. And I feel like social media kind of feeds us this lie that we can all 
do whatever it is we want to do, rah, rah, power, power, and girl boss and all that. And it's not true. There's just not enough space in your life sometimes. And so you have to just embrace what's organically in front of you and like enjoy that period. And when that period's gone, move on to the next thing. Exactly. And you know, it's interesting because you probably feel similar, you know, as we look back at these young artists and they're all photographing their little kids and we're like, well, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. You know, we don't have those kind of organic toddler moments that unfold that we can document. Yeah. We, you know, we had that at one time, but that's not our present. You yeah. know, our photographs are never going to look like those who have <laughs> toddlers, you know, doing these awesome things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I totally feel that, you know, (laughs) as we continue on, I I look at life as in chapters, you know, and, and so for me right now, it's even a lot more different because we just moved from Japan and my kids and I traveled Europe for three months and I homeschooled. And so, and while we lived in Japan, I traveled to, to 10 countries in Asia, you know, I had all these amazing photographic opportunities And now I'm at home and my kids are engrossed in sports and it's all sports, sports, sports. But I'm like, you know what? This is their chapter. And I need to figure out a way to make my photography work while also supporting them in their chapter. Right. And so, yeah, I just just keep, keep pushing along this journey and not letting anything limit me along the way. Yes. And so, you know, it might be that I go on walks or it might be that one of the things that I want to work on right now, which, um, actually the idea came to me about three years ago when Kylie got a, a new cochlear implant, we were driving up the East coast and I kept seeing these houses that were abandoned, overgrown, So I'm currently obsessed with the idea of photographing overgrown houses. Cool. You know, and that works great with where I'm at, at this phase of life. You know, I can go on little random road trips, exploring these various roads that might, you know, I I don't know where these houses are. I have to make the effort and get out there and try to find them. So, yeah, I, I think it's just, and then, you know, of course, still documenting my kids when I can. Yeah. I know it's harder to document them now. And that is the struggle. And um, I've talked about this struggle with other photographers too, how once your kids hit a certain age, they become more reluctant to participate. And that's partly why I have a bit of a traveling problem in our family. Because when we're traveling, my kids participate um, or let me photograph them more than they do when we're at home and are immersed in our everyday life. And... uh, But I know that I'm at the point where I need to figure out what next, you know, as far as the work goes. And uh, it's hard and frustrating. Yeah. You know, um, a mentor, Aline Smithson, she shared with me long ago, she said, you know, Deb, it's great that you're photographing your kids, but one day your kids aren't going to be there. And, you know, when she said that to me, my kids were still little, you know, so it's great to have that in the back of your mind, you know, of course, photograph your kids, but maybe go on walks and photograph your neighborhood, photograph your surroundings, you know, like just try to think outside your children, what might interest you also. So I think that's really important. And now I'm at that phase, you know? Yeah, I know. And now that I'm here, I'm like, what now? Trying and and it, it's funny because you kind of feel like oh it'll just organic like I've always just organically shifted to one thing or the other and I'm still kind of doing that but I can see that there's like a big shift that's not happening organically where I'm just gonna have to like drive it for the first time really for the first time in my life like really drive it and yeah. and it's hard to like go okay so what are my decisions here and like figuring out what's going to happen, but it's fun too. It's interesting. It's just, and and, you know, I guess the, the question will be like how to continue for me, because I have such a a busy business as well. It's like the big part of the question is how to continue the business. Do I continue the business? Do I just go and start shooting for myself? Um, Well, and I think, I think the other thing for you is that, you know, you have this super successful business 
And then photographing your children and your travels and stuff is what really fulfills that kind of passionate part, right? Business right. is business. Right, I mean, it is. Yeah. 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 And then you have what what kind of nourishes and feeds your soul. Yeah. And so yeah, after your kids are gone, where where does that piece right. that photographically nourishes your soul, you know, feeds that inner artist? Yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a process. You know, yeah, and 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 I I feel like the one good thing that I've learned through my business is that the importance of saying yes. Like I think in the industry we talk a lot about saying no, and yeah. turning down things that don't feel right, and and I agree with that to a certain extent. But I think what gets missed is that sometimes you just have to say yes. Like sometimes I think we say no because of fear not really because of rational reason, <laughs> right? And so if you learn to say yes and heck, it doesn't work out, oh, well, on to the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And having an open mind and just staying curious and trying new things. Like one of my big things for, like this is the first time we'll have lived anywhere for over three years. We'll wow. be in Williamsburg for five, five more years probably. And so one of the things that I'm going to try is wet plate collodion and so yeah I'm just gonna give it a go and see what happens and I'm gonna take a workshop and yeah it's it's exciting you know that sounds fun yeah just staying curious and keeping your your mind open to new opportunities I think is everything yeah it is and trying to balance that with family life and right teens because uh I don't know how old are your kids now so Kylie just turned 21. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah, yeah she yeah. looks like, I mean, she is a woman. <laughs> she looks like a woman in her photographs. She is. It's because, yes. guess what? She is a woman, yeah. <laughs> and quote, unquote, the little ones are um, 13 and almost 15. Yeah. So yours are the same age as mine. Georgia's 13. And Jack is uh, going, he's 15. He'll be 16 in August. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's a, a, a an interesting time, but they are way busier than I ever imagined this time of my life would be. It's like so busy. Yeah, I feel the same. Like I, I never imagined I'd be a sports mom. Yeah. I never imagined their sports would go year round and be so time consuming. And then, you know, even, I don't know how it is for you, but even like photographing them. And I think, oh my gosh, like I could every day photograph the exact same getting in and out of my vehicle. You know, like there's, (laughs) there's not a whole lot that happens right now outside of swim, rowing, driving, eating. Yeah. Homework. Yeah. (laughs) And then playing, like my son likes to play video games and my daughter, and I don't, my daughter likes to make slime and she, so she has like a chemistry lab in our house like my husband created it for her but it's there's no windows in there it's like totally dark and disgusting and it's like okay like (laughs) it is true like my kids mostly my daughter's in a high uh a high performance troupe so like they rehearse just this time of year they she's always gone I never see her you know and the only time I see her is in the car or getting ready in the morning and my son is in multiple things he also performs but he also is in scouts and he has a girlfriend and all this stuff. So he's also rarely home. And so, yeah. and when he is home, he's on the computer doing homework, you yeah. know, and it's like how many photographs of him on the computer doing homework yeah. can I take, you know, like I have taken some or him like in his room. I like to do environmental portraits of kids in their rooms. It's like one of my favorite things, but, uh, but still it's like, okay. <laughs> And, you know, I've just looked at it as a new challenge. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think, oh, you know, do people really want to see one more portrait of my kids? Right. But I'm like, you know, this is this is the phase that I'm in. Yeah. And so I just try to challenge myself and be creative. And, of course, I always try to be authentic in the way that I photograph my children. And so, like, I consider, you know, like, for example, with Ryder, he's haven't gone through puberty yet and I'm just like so in love with 
the the little hint of little of little boy that is left with him. Right, right, right. And I, I just keep on thinking like, oh my gosh, I need to document his shoulders and, you know, his skin without facial hair, you know, his face without facial hair. And, you know, just all of these little things that I feel like this, this is that phase right now. This yeah. is what I need to be documenting. Yeah. I know. I wish in junior high when my son, my daughter isn't changing that much. She doesn't look, she's like very small and doesn't, she honestly looks the same as she did when she was like nine and she's 13. But my, um, son between from grade, the end of grade six through the end of grade nine, like the vast difference. He doesn't even look like the same person. And I kind of wish I had taken like a shot every week, you know, through, yeah. through junior high, just like him in like just a headshot to sort of get, uh, to see that morphing. Like they just changed right. so much. It's shocking. It's and, shocking. and that's where I'm at right now with yeah. Ryder because he's seventh grade and he's just started growing. He's growing and thinning out. And I was thinking that exact same thing. I try really hard to photograph my kids every day if I can. Uh, like, for example, yesterday, we, we have these beautiful flowers in the front yard, and I asked Skylar to stand in front of them after rowing. And she was she went out there, but she was so annoyed. Yeah. And I took one picture, and I just said, Sky, forget it. You're not into it. But then as I walked back in the house, I saw this amazing reflection of the trees in the window, and I was like, Sky, please, can we just do one at the window? And she let me, and she was in a much... She didn't like the bush because it had spider webs. So when she was in the house behind the glass, she was, you know, much more pleasant. But I think I think that's a huge thing, too, no matter what phase our kids are in, is that we respect their time, effort, the energy that they give us for the photographs. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's been a really, like when I first started photography, I mean, I, I pretty much tortured my poor kids, oh, yeah. you know, please sit there, sit there. Don't move. Don't move. Wait, wait, you got out of the light, you know? Yeah. And that was probably for the first year-ish or so. Yeah. And then I shifted to, okay, no, I really need to respect them. I need to ask them if I can make a portrait of them, you know? Do you want to go do photos? And there's times where I say, please, please, I have a really great <laughs> idea, please. And if they're still no, the reality is I know that the photos are never going to turn out, right? right. Their, their lack of enthusiasm is just going to go show right through everything. Yeah. So, so I do try to photograph my kids every day, you know, at least one or the other, some days it just doesn't happen and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. It's just, you have life. To give, yeah, you have to give yourself grace for things like that. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that's the, I, I'm bad at photographing my kids still like, uh, just cause they really hate it. And, uh, sometimes they're really into it, but sometimes they really hate it. And so it's funny cause lately I'm talking to like you guys, all you guys, you and like Jen Downer, I've talked to Jen Downer and Tara Whitney and you know, nice. um, and Summer Murdoch and, and talking to you guys, it's like, I'm wondering if I should interview my kids. <laughs> you should. I should about their experience being my kids. I, I, I feel like it would be difficult conversation. <laughs> well, you, you can interview my kids if you want. Yeah. yeah I mean, it would be interesting to, to hear their perspective. It would probably be very different than my perspective. Right. Yeah. yeah. It'd probably be like, yeah, my mom had the camera in my face all the time growing up. Yeah. I know. They, I know. I'm like, is that what they're going to remember of me? Like at a certain point in, in the whole journey, I was like, wait a minute. This is going to be their perception of me. Being right. this like horrible person with a camera trying to control everything. Yeah. Or even just not – because I do do a lot of pure documentary with them, which I also think they, they found intrusive in its own way. You know, right. and, um, yeah. And it was sort of like, I don't want them to just have this memory of me being this camera obsessed person. And I feel like as they got older and they created their own boundaries, um, I, and I learned to respect them and, uh, but the, there's been tons of benefits coming out of that where in our relationship, where now it's not just about what I can get from them. Not that it was ever just about what I can get from them, but there, that was always like a big part of our day. Like what photos did I get today of you or whatever? 
So not in, I don't, I don't think I'm explaining that properly, but you know what I mean? Like, I, it, yeah. yeah, like it, I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Cause I do feel like there's a little bit of like, even in pure documentary where you're like taking mm. from something sure. to get something positive. Like it's, right. yeah, it's a complicated well, well, and being present, right? Yeah. Because especially while you're traveling and you know, if, if you're the one that's always making the photos while they're playing or swimming or, you know, climbing a mountain or whatever, where does that leave you in the holiday mix of things? Right. right? I know. In fact, it's kind of funny because as they've gotten older, you know, we complain a lot about their devices for sure, but their devices have made me present in their lives because my kids document our trips too. You know, like the last few trips we've been on, they always have their phones with them and they take all sorts of photographs. Like when we went to New York or when we went to Thailand, like they each took a ton of photographs and it's like, Oh look, I'm in these photographs. Like it's kind of interesting, you know, instead of it just being my uh, perspective, it's theirs, which is fascinating to me. Now, do they actually take photographs or are they just Snapchatting and... Oh, no, they document... Jack actually, it's funny because, I mean, Jack does Snapchat and all that stuff too, but um, he doesn't really like social media. So he creates for himself for sure. And uh, Georgia, it's a mix. But she's still only 13. And so a lot of times... And I would say Jack's are probably more thought out. But he's also Mm -hmm. older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one who Ryder doesn't even use a phone. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. He he loves his iPad, though, but only for gaming. Yeah. And then Skylar's all about that Snapchat. So I I don't think... I mean, what, it's gone in 24 hours or something? Yeah. I think that's as far as her photos have gone. But she doesn't she take doesn't regular pictures. No, really? Oh, yeah, funny. Just, just yeah. Snapchat business. It's and then I think Kylie's really big into the Snapchat, too. But I, I think she does both. Of course, she's on her own now, right? Right. So I only see her a few weeks a year. Yeah. Which yeah, I know, crazy. but even, like, Georgia's phone died. So we gave Georgia a phone because she's gone from us so much. Sometimes we want to see where she is or be able to contact her. And so when we were in Thailand, she took a ton of pictures and just, like, things that were interesting to her, like street vendors making food, you know, and, like, yeah. random stuff, weird signs. Like, in Asia, you know, lots of signs are kind of unintentionally amusing. And, yeah. uh, so the kids were really drawn to that sort of stuff. And it's just interesting watching them, what they like. And one of her phones died and she, we hadn't backed it up and she was like, are oh, my Thailand photos? Like, it was like so important to her, those Thailand photos, yeah. but her, of her every day, there's a lot of selfies, <laughs> like with her and her friends, you know, like, but yeah. Jack doesn't do that. He has like zero interest in selfies. That's so funny. Yeah. But it's interesting. This- Selfie generation. Yeah. Really interesting. It is interesting. How do you think it's affected the photography industry, the selfie generation? Have you thought about that? I I, honestly, I haven't really thought about it because I feel like it'll be when our kids are becoming photographers where I think that's when this kind of selfie generation will really kind of fuse together with photography. I mean, there's always been the people who do self-portraits, but I don't feel that that has really grown. Right, no. But I wonder, um, if it, I wonder how it will affect the industry. At some point it will. Yeah, I really think it's like when, probably coming up soon, because I feel like Kylie, her generation was really into selfies, and they're you know now 21, so probably in the next five to ten years we'll yeah. see a shift that's going to be interesting you know yeah yeah like do they keep the camera pointed on them or do yeah. they turn but then it around even like a lot of this selfie generation when they do photograph other things it's still about them indeed but like when you look at fine artwork ultimately projects are about the photographer right <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit about 
making money as a fine art photographer and the difficulty, I know it's not easy. So I call it the difficulty in making money as a fine art photographer, but uh, yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? I'll be brutally honest about it. (laughs) You know what? I feel like there's so much on social media everybody's like rah rah being a photographer is so amazing and then when we sit down and talk one-on-one we realize that oh it's way harder than anybody's letting on and so it would be great if you would be brutally honest actually yeah it's really really hard yeah Uh, so when you look at fine art photography a lot of fine art photographers have other jobs they're either teachers you know they're they teach at universities they have portrait businesses, you know, I teach online. So when I was submitting to a lot of exhibitions, it was a shit ton of money out. Right. And then and I'm talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Like one solo show cost me about $5,000 to print and frame. And that's doing all of the printing and the framing ourselves. Right. We ordered frames online, but my husband put them together and we put everything together ourselves. So uh, from that show, I sold nothing. Oh my so, gosh. yeah, I think that that entire year I sold um, maybe three prints. And when you figure, you know, one of my prints is $850, three prints doesn't add up to a whole lot when no. you're, I mean, you know, when you're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you think about one ex, one submission may cost you, like I just submitted to a show and that was, um, $35. And so I spent the money on that. If I don't get selected, then that's just money out. you know, a submission fee. If I do get selected, then I need to spend more money. Yeah. So if you're, if you're lucky, then the, um, gallery offers a print service, which I always take advantage of because I'm like, you know, they don't want to display a shitty photograph. They're going to do a great job at printing my print. That's the way I personally look at it. And it also saves me money, um, versus me, printing myself and then paying the shipping expense. Um, but there's other galleries that you have to do the printing and framing and getting your print to them and then the shipping to get it back to you if it doesn't sell, which the majority of time, 99.9% of the time it doesn't sell. So I'm, I'm not, I don't want to discourage anybody ever from going the fine art path down the fine art path, but I do want to be, very open and, um, realistic about, man, it's so important to manage your money. Right. Because I mean, you, you apply to 10 submissions, you're out 350 bucks, you know, and nobody is telling you about their rejections. Right. You hear right. about everybody's acceptances, but for one acceptance, you, there may be five rejections. Right. And that's a lot of money. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it, it takes a lot of work and you have to be really passionate about what you're doing for the pure love of it. You know, right. people ask me, why do I keep going down this path? I love it. Right. I love it. This is, this is part of what I'm meant to do as a photographer. I'm not going to stop down this path, but I am very much a realist of, I have to be doing something else to make the money. Right. to be able to support the fine art expenses. Right. And I don't willy-nilly apply to to submissions. I research who the juror is. I look to see if, if I'm a good fit. Because, like, even for water, you know, like there could be a water submission, but maybe it's that photographer loves light and airy photographs of water, or photographs in general, they're probably not going to select one of my much darker, moodier images. And so even though the theme water seems like it would be a no brainer, well, there's somebody who's selecting the pictures. And so that person probably isn't going to, um, appreciate. And and I don't mean that in a negative way, but appreciate for selection. 
right. um, my photographs. Yeah, I mean, you know, and curating a show is a much like is much like curating your own portfolio. Like they're trying to make it cohesive and fit with their brand, whatever their brand is. Like it's not just we're picking the best. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody's good, especially at that level. It's like mostly they're getting really amazing stuff. Right. It's, yeah, right. it's more about like, which amazing do you prefer? Right. Yeah. And well, there's preference. Another thing that I always try to share with photographers is really think, consider your goals and consider the whys, you know, yeah. why are you submitting? Like, what is your end goal in all this? You know, you, you can't just keep submitting to shows with, without having an understanding of where you're headed and yeah. what are your goals and, um, so I think that's really important to, to kind of consider the bigger picture in it all, right. especially when you start submitting to these exhibitions. And do you think like, um, as far as having a portrait business, and I know that you've moved around a lot. So having a portrait business on, on the side <laughs> is sort of, is a comp has been a complicated piece for you, but do you think that the fine art helps promote the portrait business do you think that the fine art that that creating more fine art work for your clients allows you to a differentiate yourself and b um price yourself at a more sustainable rate and by sustainable i mean probably more than average you know that that's a really interesting question because you know i'm here at this place where i'm i'm trying to figure out what my next step is going to be, you know, and, and am I going to start taking, um, commission portrait sessions again? I I'm trying to feel my way through that. Um, and you know, I just don't know if a client that is, is like a family portrait client, if they really understand the fine art, what fine art is all about. You know, I, I, I don't even know if I put, maybe I do that prices for my fine art prints start at eight, eight, uh, eight fifty. But even with that said, I don't know if they fully grasp it. And I don't know if they're willing to spend more money because I'm a fine art photographer. Right. I don't, I, I really don't know, but I want to say, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think they yeah. have that appreciation of, um, that they should value my photographs more because I'm a quote unquote fine art photographer. Right. Or like, I wonder, I, I'm wondering if you think there's a market for people who um, appreciate fine art to get portraits done in your fine art, uh, I don't like process. Like, Instead of getting a regular family portrait where you get all these files and all this, you know, the normal stuff that everybody sells, if they could hire you for like one fine art portrait at like a higher dollar figure than like, you know, where you're just there to create the one thing. Do you want to hear something crazy? Like I, I'm goosebumps head to toe right now because yeah. so very early on in my career, it was probably 2006. I took a workshop with Cheryl Jacobs and I was just scared to death. Like, I mean, I, I didn't feel ready. You know, I, I was so nervous. I thought I was going to pee my pants when I had to give my portfolio. I waited till the very end and she did a portfolio review and she said, have you ever thought about just photographing for that one portrait? I mean, that exact same thing. Yeah. And that was back in 2006 when I was just getting started. I yeah. mean, I think that was August, 2006. Yeah. So I've been doing photography for eight months. And so, you know, that, that's definitely something to consider, especially I, so I booked a client that I'm photographing in July and she asked if, um, we could do some photographs at the river. And I told her that we could do that, that normally that's not something that I do. You know, I normally for a a family session, I don't get in the water, but it's something that I'm intrigued about myself. Like what can I do for a family going in the water? Is right. it even a possibility? Because you know how hard it is to photograph in the water. But I thought, here's somebody I photographed them before and I love them. And I know they're, they're, you know, relatively easy to work with. Right, and right. so I'm like, this is my, this is my shot. 
So I explained to her that normally I don't do that, and but I'm going to do it and just see what happens. And maybe that is a possibility. You know, it, it definitely would be a challenge to market something like that because right. you would have to have the clientele that really appreciate fine art photography and having one amazing, you know, 20 by 30 portrait hanging on their wall. And that's what Cheryl Jacobs said. She's like, you know, maybe you go and you market that you, you know, you have a session and in the end they get this one amazing framed piece of art that is going to be on their, on the wall. So it's really thinking outside the box on what you offer and how you're going to work. Yeah. But it's it's something that I'm for sure open to. I mean, I would love it. Like if I could yeah. do that and I could market myself in that way, um, of course, the river's an hour away. Yeah. So, you know, the yeah. river's an hour away, the ocean's two hours away. So if I wanted to keep it within that realm of the water, which, which I love, you know, I, I mean, I would love to, to do fine art portraits in the water. Yeah. One. Yeah. For one, like, you know, your daughter's graduating, you get one fine art portrait of your daughter in the water. Yeah. Yeah. I know. When, I, I'm like, I feel like we've gotten so far away from that as an industry where we're just like giving everything and there's so much crap, even like there's so much crap to sort through and instead, and we're focusing maybe not on the right thing. You know, like I'm wondering if we shouldn't be more focused on creating that like one piece, you know, and I think for the fine art photographers out there, that would be an interesting take. Well, and thinking outside the box and separating yourself from everything, everybody yeah. else. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's definitely a way to do that. You know, and it's it's something else that had come up because I'm teaching an online class right now. And, uh, we were talking a little bit about files and, um, the photographer had mentioned she wants her, her clients to have prints. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that you're giving digital files, but I was like, why aren't, why don't your, this is just me. I'm like, why don't your clients get a set of five by seven prints or four by six proof prints or something like, why aren't they getting with your initial package? your digital file package, if that's throughout your going, why aren't they getting prints? You know, one, at least you would know they would have a set of prints that are beautifully printed. And two, you know, they have something that can be displayed in some way. Right. So I don't, yeah, I totally changed the subject. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious because I've had a number of fine art photographers come to me about pricing for, for their portrait sessions. And I'm always like, I think you should push your fine art work. Like make it sort of like an overarching thing. Be who you are and not yeah. try to mess with it. And yeah, it's not going to be easy. Like, <laughs> like right. I, you know, it's not going to be easy. But you know what? It's getting to the point where it's not easy anywhere in the industry. Like it's not easy for wedding photographers. It's not easy for portrait photographers. So heck, why, if you're going to take this not easy route of being a photographer, why not just be true? Right. Well, and, and like for somebody like me, I'm not doing any portraits right now for yeah. commission. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Like yeah. why not just you know, it goes back to that. I have the opportunity right now to reinvent myself any way that I want. Yeah. And, and like I tell my students, I'm like, what do you have to lose? You know, yeah. and, and just flipping that back on myself, what do I have to lose? So I create these single fine art portrait offers and nobody books them. Yeah, oh, wow. Well, you gave right? it a, gave it a shot. Yeah. They're lost. Cause they're like, lost. if I hired you, you know, because uh, we do hire a variety of photographers for our own family, mostly because I have friends for all over the place who all like hire this friend, hire that friend or whatever. But um, also I enjoy having like different points of view uh, as far as the documenting of my family, particularly because most of the point of view that we have are, is my point of view. It's nice to bring in somebody new. And if I hired you, I would want something fine art. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. Think, yeah, you know, I would want something, I don't know. I wouldn't care about having, I wouldn't care about quantity. 
I would care about a small number of really awesome portraits. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dana. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for pushing me forward on my path. You should do it, Deb. Do it. I'll hire you if I'm ever in wherever Williamsburg is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very good at American geography. I'll forgive you because I'm not very good with Canadian geography. Yeah, so we're yeah. even. Yeah, I'm way far away from you. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all you know. Yeah. Well, I'm well so you grateful. never know. Yeah, you never do Maybe know. You're Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is near New York. It is kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I was just in New York. <laughs> right, and I'm. Yeah. I'm I'm driving distance from New York, so you never know. You never know. Maybe, maybe. It would be great right. nice to see you again. I know. It's been a long time. It has. Time flies. Yeah. Like, I know people tell you that when your babies are little. Like, enjoy the time because it disappears in the blink of an eye. But that whole bit, like, I don't know. Just yesterday we had that a moment in the family where I was just like, wait a minute. It's done. That, like, you know, that, like, childhood stuff it's done now yeah it's crazy and I'm yeah like, I, was, okay. I was actually I was just talking to Summer about that about how like man this is this is our kids chapter but we so have to appreciate like all that we can have with them right now because it's going to be a blink of an eye and they're yeah. going to be leaving you know yeah. and I've already had it happen once with Kylie yeah and you know she's been gone since she was 17 yeah so yeah. And I remember yeah. that, and that seems like not that long ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, but it was. 21. That was before you went to Japan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you we went, went to, to Japan. Japan. You've done all these things since then, you know. I know. <laughs> it's hard to. Life is crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Well, I should let you go because I know you have to run. But well, I am so, so grateful for our conversation. Thank you so much for chatting. It's been great to catch up with you and. Oh my gosh. So great to catch up with you too. We have to do it like before every five years. Yeah. Right. Right? More often than we've been doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.